Uh, been to Dallas and Texas and talked to Ian. Uh, we've got John Bonfilio on the line now from uh, Mexico, who'll, um, who'll keep us up to date with what's happening in the other America, in uh, Latin America. Uh, John, a very good evening to you. Hello, Martin. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. And actually worth um, just pointing out, everyone in my America gets really annoyed when the other America gets referred to as America because they, they always say, look, America is the continent. It's not a single country. Um, so Latin Americans will often very pointedly say it's the USA. It's not America. Correct. Correct. Well, you know, we've been very <laughs> we've not upset any uh, any Latin Americans. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at the moment, you, you, it's a real problem. I've, I've you know I've looked at what's been happening in Sao Paulo, where the uh, you know where, where the health system is in danger of collapse, and all over uh, Brazil, particularly, uh, all sorts of problems, isn't there? I mean, the, the death rate is rising, and uh, coronavirus really seems to have taken hold. Yeah, Brazil is currently. Um, absolutely at the at the coal face and the most extreme example in Latin America. I mean, it is now, I guess, internationally, it's taken over probably from the US in terms of, you know, being the country that everybody's looking to. Currently, it's the, got the third highest confirmed rates internationally, but that's massively on the rise and every day brings a new record in terms of numbers of infected and numbers of dead. And only about a week and a half ago since um, our good friend Bolsonaro said that it was all going to be over next week and the cases had peaked and were and were on their way down and you've got sao paulo as you've just mentioned about a week away from uh, going into uh, healthcare health system meltdown and that's the case right right across the country and a number of other countries including mexico seemingly rising exponentially um, as well just as lockdowns are, are kind of coming to an end yeah, and I, I read about Nicaragua, uh, Daniel Ortega there. Um, he's a bit like uh, Bolsonaro, isn't he, when it comes to uh, dismissing uh, COVID-19. I know he has been, but uh, death tolls are rising there, and presumably uh, the people in uh, Nicaragua are um, turning against the president. I don't know. Well, I mean, people in Nicaragua weren't really have not really been pro the president now for for quite a while. I mean, he was a, a you know an emblematic figure of the past, and that's why he got back into power. But but much in the same way as Maduro, now he's kind of just entrenched himself in position in Nicaragua at the moment. If you look at the official statistics, as we've said a number of times before, very much with a with a heavy dose, a heavy cart of salt. There's only about 250 cases and about 20 deaths, but. All of the news stories coming out of there say that there's a lot of um, there's a lot more of that happening. It's just not being registered. And certainly, what I've been hearing on the ground there is that there's kind of express um, funerals and cremations that are taking place, where by dead of night the um, the bodies get buried and cremated, so nobody gets a chance to really log the the figures. And the state is definitely not doing is not interested there in drawing attention to. Uh, to itself at all but across across the region i mean you know in any country in the world to try and work out what infection rates are and death rates and um and antibody resistance etc even if you've got good measuring devices nationally and governmentally is a nightmare and then you add in in a in a latin american context um 
lack of reporting of um, coronavirus from people who distrust maybe health authorities and government, um, um, low rates of of testing, and then also mendacious in a number of different mm. clear contexts. I mean, Nicaragua would be an example. Mendacious governments that are, have a vested interest in not giving you the correct information, and you're just trying to you're just trying to piece together. Um, as a friend of mine said a couple of days ago, it's like flying a plane that you are currently building. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I saw, I think, Chile as well. I did see um, people protesting in the streets of Chile. I saw some footage of that on uh, on the BBC World this week. Yeah, picking up with a, a lot of the disaffection, which is, you know, it's not just coronavirus related, but but goes back a number of years. The Chile figures are interesting. Chile Chile's measurements tend to be fairly accurate with these things and actually Chile and Mexico seem to be going hand in hand in terms of figures both uh, in and around the 60,000 uh, confirmed cases but Mexico has um, a, a death rate of 10% and Chile of 1% so 6,500 dead in Mexico to Chile's 650 odd so that's a really interesting disparity between uh, between the two cases and gives you the broad range of um, of discrepancy I guess from country to uh, from country to country in the region yeah absolutely uh now tell me about these tigers um I, I, there was a story in um in one of the papers about uh, tigers uh, being uh, lassoed um but this is started somebody shared a video of these uh, tigers yeah there was um some some people just driving down the road in Tlaquepaque, jalisco about so west of mexico um about a week ten days ago and they're just videoing the street as they go down. And then somebody in the car says, that's a big dog. And then the driver says, that's not a dog, it's a tiger. And then somebody says, that guy's trying to lasso the tiger. And then the video shows this other guy holding a chair, like a fold-up chair, in front of the tiger, trying to deter the tiger with a chair. Meanwhile, the guy with the lasso, you know, in the middle of the street holding up the traffic, is letting it go and manages to lasso the tiger. End of end of video. So then there's a lot of speculation, you know, what on earth was this tiger doing here? How did it get released, etc. And nobody managed um, to to find out any more information about it at all until today when it hit the news again, when they actually managed to track down the owner um, and went and the authorities, the animal uh, governmental authorities here, mm. the, the, I guess, kind of police these things in in Mexico. So they found the guy, went to see him, and apparently all his paperwork was. Uh, was in order. The, the tigers had been imported legally into the country. There was a, a male and a female that he had. Um, but they took them off. They took the tigers off him anyway because apparently he didn't have a management plan. Uh, it strikes me that they were looking for any excuse by which they could remove the tigers and not be seen to be foolish in the in the national media. Well, there you go. You see, they took the tigers off him before he was able to make a Netflix documentary, which is a real sh it's a real shame for him with his uh, Bengal tigers there. Um, we've not talked about uh, Venezuela for a, for a week or two, but I was just wondering how the uh, the fall in the in the oil price. Um, you know, we, we talk about what a basket case Venezuela is and, and how badly the economy has been managed and how it suffered over the weeks uh, and years. Uh, and uh, at the moment, I would have thought every time I see the, the oil price fall to, you know, below a, a dollar a barrel, um, that must have a real effect on Venezuela because it would be their, uh, their main export. In fact, their only really export. 
It would be hypothetically if they were actually if their infrastructure allowed any any drilling for oil to take place at all, and if international sanctions actually allowed for them to to sell any of that on the market. Um, anyway, as things stand, the only way that they actually manage to sell any of their oil is through. Uh, I guess kind of Russian phantom companies, and in fact, Venezuela currently is importing oil from Iran. Oh, so nice. watch this space because there are five Iranian tankers currently crossing the Atlantic on their way to uh, to Venezuela, which the U.S. has embargoed, and Venezuela has sent military vessels to shepherd uh, the Iranian vessels into Venezuelan waters. And the U.S. obviously isn't going to be very pleased about this, and in fact has openly stated that any oil that attempts to go into Venezuela by ship, they're going to they're gonna deter and impound. And Iran, um, in and of themselves, have warned the U.S. not to get involved with, with this shipment. So this is only days away from, from being a flashpoint, we guess. But yeah, as you, say, as you state, Venezuela currently, remarkably, has two things. It has the largest known oil reserves in the world, and it is reduced to importing oil. Wow. Every time you tell me anything about Venezuela, it's just, it is really just bizarre. Uh, and uh, presumably the people still suffer and the people are still, I don't know, during the crisis, are people trying to get out? I mean, we, we couldn't rely on any figures we get from Venezuela, but are people still, are still fleeing over the border? Well, ironically, and perhaps counterintuitively, people are now trying to get back into Venezuela because a lot of the migration was economic migration um, for people that went to, to, to try and work in other countries, so in your Colombia, in your Ecuador, your Peru, etc. But with the economies entering freefall um, in these countries, there are suddenly no jobs for them to, yeah. um, to go to work on. So they've been going home, except for the fact that they've been now held largely in border kind of internment camps and not been allowed back into Venezuela because Venezuelan authorities are understandably worried about the risk of importing um, more of the disease into the country and the fact they have no health infra infrastructure to, to deal with it. So actually, net migration at the moment in Venezuela is is in reverse uh, to what it has been for the last couple of years. Wow. Well, John, thanks ever so much for bringing us uh, up to date. Um, we'll talk again next week, if that's okay with you. Take care, Martin. And you too. Um, there was John Bonfilio, our man in uh, Mexico. In, uh, Mexico. Oh, I can hear myself coming oh. back on myself. Um, that's bizarre. Are we? Uh, ah, there we go. We're still. We're still on the air. It's. Uh, I have to explain. We are live from uh, Wakefield, and as I said, la as I said last week, um, it's a wonder in any way that we can via via Skype in Mexico for me sitting here in Wakefield via London bounced off the satellite in Goonhilly down and all the way to uh, southern Mexico. We can do it, uh, but occasionally it might uh, there might be a glitch or two.